Welcome to Triumph and Disaster, a show dedicated to manly creativity and culture. Brought to you by your host, Cameron McHarg. Hey guys, it's Cameron McHarg. We're back for another episode of Triumph and Disaster. And this week I have Frank Mangarelli, who is one of the hosts of Podcasting Them Softly, which is one of my favorite podcasts, actually. I listen to that one regularly. So, uh... We actually did sort of a, a back and forth. I'm actually going to be on his show. I'm not sure if it's going to be next week or what the number is. Um, just have to look it up. But if you go to podcastingthemsoftly.com or uh, their Facebook page, is actually pretty cool. You should just like that because there's a lot of cool stuff on there. And just kind of keep track of it. It should be out pretty soon. Both of our conversations are really cool. I mean, obviously, I didn't really talk much about me in this one. It's all about him, and, but it's sort of vice versa and his. So if you want to hear me kind of put on the spot a little bit, then make sure to check that out. But check it out regardless. And uh, yeah, this talk's really cool. And it's obviously a little bit bent towards movies. It's sort of a film geeky episode, another one of those. So just so you know, ahead of time, that's what it is. And uh, we did it on Skype. So it sounds a little weird. Um, He actually recorded it for me and sent it over. So it should be, you know, it's fine. It's like listening to a phone conversation, but just so you know, it's um, not all these episodes are going to sound like that and a little bit of a heads up. So hope you enjoy. Here's Frank Magarelli. We've been in touch for quite a while, but we never actually really talked. And now we're face to face. This is obviously Skype. It probably sounds a little different from what normal what I normally do. So hopefully it sounds all right. But we're, uh, so we're kind of face to face. I do. You're like, we're, you're, you're in the Midwest somewhere, aren't you? I, I live in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I'm very and happy that you broke, you know, you broke and were able to do a Skype podcast with me because I know you're a sit-down, face-to-face type dude. Yeah, I like to do that. I've only One time have I not done that. It was with uh, Marcus on his spell. Well, I'm in good company then. Because yeah, Marcus you are. Is, Marcus is a sweet dude. He's awesome. It was a really good talk too. It was actually just a phone, a phone conversation. But um, but yeah, we just we just locked right into some really cool. Stuff. It's actually one of my favorite ones, one of my favorite talks. But anyway, we've kind of been uh, in touch off and on, but we've never really talked. It was I think it was uh, wasn't it Jan Jan Don's short? I think you did a sh- actually. You know what it was? I heard your show with him uh, talking about uh, at all costs. I'm not sure how you pronounce the French version of it. Short too pre. I don't know how you pronounce the French version of that either, but yeah, that's when we first hooked up. I think uh, April 2015, and uh, did a podcast with Jan. Super sweet guy, great. And can't see enough about him. Right, he's a he's a great dude, and we did a podcast on at all costs and always, and then we riffed on a bunch of other stuff, films, filmmakers, his influences, but always was how you and I connected on the face somehow and then just yeah just had similar similar sensibilities right a lot of stuff we pretty much like the same shit so Mm -hmm. you know yeah so i run a and i you know i just started this as a hobby years ago just for whenever because i like 70s movies so fucking much and i just you know i just started this 70s cinema thing it's on instagram now too but it was uh just initially a facebook thing and no, you're a official contributor on that as well. I feel I feel like incredibly honored. Show. Yes, yes. Seventies <laughs> um, films, more or less, is why I love film to the degree I do. Yeah. Um, 
I don't even know what the genesis of that is. I think a lot of it has to do with Ted Demi's documentary, A Decade Under the Influence, that was for the Independent Film Channel, and that had to be 2002, 2003. And it's a three-hour-long doc with everybody from that era interviewed that was alive at the time, except for Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were notably missing, I think on purpose. But, I mean, it had Scorsese, Eastwood, Roy Scheider, I mean, Pam Greer, everyone. And um, that's what really lit a fire for me. And then I went to Columbia College in Chicago, uh, film school, and I took a class called Studies of the Films of the 1970s. And my my instructor was, and I am drawing, a Francine Sanders and I've actually had her on my podcast twice, and I'm going to have her on again. But that was when I actually learned about the importance of the films and what the films were really about, as opposed to looking cool and having cool actors and dialogue. You know, that's when I I had no idea that Chinatown was a slight metaphor for the Watergate yeah. investigation. And, um there was a lot of that, or you know, metaphors with Vietnam and a lot right. of different and going I had, on. Right, and I had no idea that you know George Romero, who recently passed, yeah. the zombie movies were all about social and racial injustice. Right. You know, it's like I had no idea about that. So from that point forward, um, I pretty much watched everything I could. I'd find actors that I locked onto, like you and I love Harvey Keitel. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've I've seen <laughs> back and forth about him. We, you know, I've seen everything that I can of his. Uh, Roy Scheider, you know, I, I the '70s was very unique because it was the anti-leading man in a way. It wasn't the Gary right. Cooper, it wasn't the Clark Gable, who I love. I mean, I love all these right. guys. Uh, it was the everyman on screen that's not yeah polished and with the exception the of. Robert Redford, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are there are, guys. Couple, there are a couple, but but that's I know exactly what you mean. I mean it was like the rise, of, you know. Well, guy, guys like Jack Nicholson or Dustin Hoffman. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, Gene Hackman, Warren Oates, guys like those. Right. I mean, if Warren Oates, how, how how I don't. It's like almost to this day, how is Bruce Dern and Warren Oates the lead to a movie? You know, we're there, the league. What's like Silent Running? Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. It's that. I'm a huge Warren Oates fan, by the way. I can go off on it. Yeah, love Warren Oates. I've, dude. I don't even know if people even know who we're talking about. You got to look him up, you guys. (sighs) It's a shame if you don't. Yeah, I, I, I feel he's Sergeant Halka from Stripes, (laughs) right? But it was before he was. You know, it was before, (laughs) and that's 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 a good way to be remembered. I mean, Sergeant Hulk is awesome, but uh, (laughs) you know, uh, cockfighter, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. It's like holy shit, Tulane Blacktop, Criterion Collection. A lot of people should know that. So this is obviously going to be a film geek episode. This is uh, we're already down that road. You you mentioned like I I was stuck on on that. uh, There's another book too about those movies in the seventies. I can't remember right now that I read. Easy Riders and Rage. I don't think Easing Riders and Raging Bulls is it. Peter Bizkind did a book. I have it on my bookshelf in the other room. I can't remember what it's called, but yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I Maybe do. I'll I put do. it up. I'll put it up later. I'll figure it out. There, there, there are oodles of books. It's um, a shame though that they left out Spielberg because Duel is one of my favorite movies from that decade. I mean, it was meant for it was meant for it was shot for TV actually, but 
Duel is a fucking awesome movie. Right, and and I th- I think I think the big thing with the omission of Spielberg and and particularly Lucas is they were the guys that killed the right. 70s cinema. A lot right. of people like to peg it on Lucas with Star Wars, um, which I Jaws think, I think it started with Jaws. I think it started with the rebirth of the blockbuster in the studio system. And it's like, oh, my God, let's not give Dennis Hopper $100,000 to go to New Orleans with Peter Fonda <laughs> and film this biker movie. And right. let's give somebody like Spielberg or Lucas a couple million dollars to make these movies that are going to retain investment for the next 30 years. Right. You know, and I right. love Spielberg and I love Lucas. I mean, I'm a huge defender of George Lucas. I love Star Wars. Star Wars is my life. Of so. course. That's a legend. And Jaws, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an amazing movie. But, yeah, I understand sort of the resentment about that, but I don't think you should just totally admit that. Right. Um, you know what? Go ahead. I, no, I was just going to say, and I think, you, you know, you and I have a couple of mutual friends that I know of that have this have this similar – I'm just going to go out and say it. I love him. I love Matt Wilder so much. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he's he's my buddy. He's from he's from the suburb where I grew up when I was a little kid. I've had. I want to say who he is a little. He's Matthew Wilder. Yeah, Matthew Wilder is a. I'm sorry. I went, go ahead and continue, but just so oh. people know, just so people. I mean, tell talk about him, but go ahead and just so people know who he is. Yeah, Matthew Wilder is a writer director. Um, his new he's filming his next film. Uh, Trial of Joan of Arc, I think it's called. I'm not yeah, sure. He's going to hate me if he listens to this because I butchered the title. But he he recently did uh, – he wrote the screenplay for Dog Eat Dog that was Paul Schrader's film that came out last year that I loved. I loved it so much. It was with Nicolas Cage, Willem Dafoe, Christopher Matthew Cook. Um, yeah, but Matthew Wilder's a totally cool guy. He's very insightful. But he hates Star Wars to a – Passion, burning passion. We get into arguments <laughs> weekly about George Lucas and what it did to cinema, and but he loves Spielberg, you know. And it's like, well, okay. dude, let's let's talk Jaws here. And he's like, no, 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 no. Spielberg's amazing. You know, it's <laughs> like, well, let's not rewrite history. But yeah, uh, but I back to where we were getting with Spielberg and Lucas. Um, yeah, they shouldn't be omitted from the canon of seventies films because. Yeah. You know, while that whole era was going to come to an end, regardless of what it was, I, the fact that Spielberg and Lucas could have had a hand in that, I mean, what a better way to go out. Because yeah, those true. are two guys, that, two guys that completely changed filmmaking for better and worse, like anything else that's a change. But, you know, yeah, I mean, Spielberg, incredible. it is amazing. And then, you know, people like to shit on Spielberg, but. The shit, the stuff that he did in the '80s after that, and, and ever since, I mean, it was magic. And if you were a kid growing up watching movies in that time, that's why you know it might be a little more difficult to fall in love with movies if you're a little younger now. I mean, it's just a different, a different time. But if you grew up, you know, watching Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars and ET and you know, what are all these things, it's just, it's fucking, it's, it's, it's a big part of your life. It's magic, you know. It, yeah, it's. I mean, it's incredible. I. I mean, I, when I was younger, when I was younger and more naive, I was a Spielberg hater. I was like, "Fuck Spielberg! He ruined the greatest, you know, the greatest decade of cinema." But yeah. you know, now you can't say that because Spielberg has just continuously created great stuff, and he's a great person aside from what he's contributed to the world through his filmmaking. 
Um, but <sighs> he's yeah. I'm not going to say anything you bad could, about Steven Spielberg. Yeah. You know, you could argue actually. The first movie that I can remember seeing was actually Rocky. And uh, it was, I think it wasn't in the theater. I was too young. I think it was uh, like on Showtime or something. But you can argue that that was another one that sort of set it down that road as well. I mean, that one, uh, I think it won Best, best Picture. Didn't yeah, it? won Best Picture. It John Avildsen but, just won, or he won Best Director for it. Stallone was nominated for it. Yeah, that was. And, well, and I think well-deserved. But the thing is, is it was, it, it was kind of... <laughs> because it wasn't sort of a cynical political movie, you know, from the set, it, it sort of was this uplifting, you know, in a way. It's sort of people argue that that changed kind of, the trajectory. Yes, of, yes, into the eighties. Filmmaking, especially right, right. especially considering Alvidson made Joe and uh, Save the Tiger beforehand, which are two movies that completely fit into the groove of, you know, my world is fucked. Right, everybody's, so. <laughs> you know, everybody's against me. I'm I'm an extinct man living in a world that that doesn't uh, that doesn't believe in me anymore or know who I am. Um, right. But yeah, I mean Rocky, for as oversaturated as Rocky, I mean that falls into the category with Spielberg and Lucas. For as oversaturated as it can get, Rocky's still one of the greatest movies ever made. I fucking love it. I have no shame in saying that. I wonder what Wilder thinks about that. By the way, Matthew yeah. Wilder. Well, he's, I'll, uh, I'll message I'm sure him he's a probably bit. listening. <laughs> so the thing about him, by the way, he is—he's one of the most intense cinephiles that I've ever met. He's yes. probably—he's an encyclopedia. He's probably—you know—everybody knows you know Tarantino is. I think those guys could probably go head to head with their knowledge if they ever sat down and, and talked. Uh, he's very opinionated. He's—he's he's really snarky. But it, you know, when you know the guy. He's a real sweetheart guy. Actually. Totally, he's a real sweetheart guy. He's just—he's uh, got a very, you know, rough edge sense of humor. <laughs> God, a couple years ago, he came home, I think, to visit his family for thanks for the holidays, and I met him on Thanksgiving. I cut Thanksgiving short with my mom to go meet him at a bar uh, outside of the city. And it was just the two of us in this dive bar, and we were just talking about the shit we would normally be talking about. And there was some guy that was sitting to the right of us. He was some salesman or something, and he overheard our conversation because we were talking about something, geez, super in-depth about some, you know, subgenre of a genre from the 70s or something like that. And right. then the guy made some – somehow it got morphed into like a World War II conversation and Hitler got brought up. And then this guy asked Wilder about – Something with Hitler, and then Matt just turns to him and says, have you ever seen Triumph of the Will? And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go outside and smoke <laughs> a cigarette because I know where this is going, and I'm not going to watch this guy. I think his, his name was Glenn, and he was writing a book about his life. That's what I remember. Yeah, and he was like a pizza delivery man when he was younger, and it was just it was too much for me to watch Wilder take this guy down within, like, 30 seconds so i had to excuse myself but you are completely right um matt is uh matt is a sweetheart he is he 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 totally is uh he's He's very opinionated he's he's intense and i mean (laughs) yeah exactly it's cool it's cool yeah he's he really has strong beliefs but you know and 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 he and he has good arguments to back it all up which is interesting to me which i always love whether no matter what it is whether it's even politics i mean if someone can actually talk about that and, 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 you know, 
articulate why they believe what they believe, and that, that's interesting to me. We can go down a different road with that. One. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> but, I mean, but, uh, no, no, <laughs> you know what I mean. Rather than just like you know, that's stupid or this is whatever, you know, right. you can really uh, you can really back up in depth I, what his opinion. I, I, you know, I agree with you, but. <laughs> Oh, poor Matt. But Matt voted for Jill Stein, and I can never forgive him for something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Up here, puppy. Sorry, I'm so, just trying to get um, my dog out of the way. But anyway. Yeah. That's a big old dog. Roger. Roger has no idea he's in a podcast right now. Oh, he knows. This is the only time. Yeah, the only time he gets jealous is when I have my headset on and I'm talking to somebody. That's the only time he ever wants to make his presence known. Of course. So, uh, podcasting and stuff, and you also edit a, another film site, right? I do. I'm, I'm an editor at uh, movieviral.com, which I had um, – they had syndicated a lot of stuff I had written for my own website, podcasting them softly. And then they recently <clears throat> rebranded to fuse film and politics together. Which, oh, really? Yeah. So if there's one thing that I love as much as cinema, it's political science. So right away, I was just like, oh, my God, you guys, this is amazing. And James Murphy, who um, has been my contact there, I believe he's a co-owner of the website. He recently told me about the rebranding, and that got me super excited because I try not to go down the political road when I write something uh, for my outlet. Or if I'm doing a podcast about a movie, I mean, sure, stuff's going to come up. But I try and, for the most part, stay somewhat neutral. But this is perfect for me because now it's like I don't have to worry about... Gloves um, off. Right, it's gloves off, essentially. So the first piece I wrote was um, the Gangs of Trump populism talking about... Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York and how he's very much akin – or I should say how Donald Trump's very much akin to Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York with a lot of their sensibilities, the things they say, um, right. their ideology. But as I was actually writing it, uh, I found that there was something that separated the two of them drastically, and that was um, honesty – <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know uh, that that was that was honesty and and patriotism was uh -huh. what I found. You know. So anyway, yes, I I'm an editor there, and then thank you for allowing me to be a contributor on your seventies. Oh yeah, yeah. That's fantastic too. Uh, so yeah, that's. Well, that's that was, um, that's interesting. I, that was a really an accidental segue for me with the politics and and uh, with you and this site. Actually, I didn't. I, I didn't actually know that that there was the, that direct connection, and that's or, interesting. That I mean, because uh, I was talking about how uh, Wilder is opinionated and how I like uh, talking with you, even if it's political. And, mm -hmm. and so I didn't know. I didn't know that. And uh, yeah, I mean, shit. When you're talking about the '70s. There's that's that's what we were talking about. And most of those films, not not necessarily all, and that's not why I, I love that whole decade. But that's a part of it. Yeah, and you have all these all these movies that are so fucking relevant today, like All the President's Men, for example. Couldn't be more relevant. Yeah, uh, I, I recently right. I recently rewatched All the President's Men. 
when, when all the when all the when all the the Russia shit really started to hit the fan, and the special prosecutor Robert Mueller got appointed, and it started to get more tangible legs than just what was being um, reported by the press. And when I say the press, I you know I, I mean the New York Times and the Washington Post, who I think have done a pretty fantastic job. And you know the Washington Post is what Woodward and Bernstein worked for. You mean done a fantastic job then or now? Both, both. Okay. But I never, but I never put it together because it's been a while since I've gone through my Watergate history or I've seen the film that you know Woodward and Bernstein worked for the Washington Post. Washington Post was who uncovered the Watergate scandal, and the Washington Post has been the one to the major outlet that has been reporting everything on the whole Trump Russia thing. So naturally, I've watched, you know. All the president's men. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it goes beyond that. That's the most direct here to then relevant, you know. But there's what is it? Three days the Condor. There's uh, another one with Warren Beatty. Parallax view. Parallax view. Yeah, I mean the list goes on. The list goes on. But um, I don't normally talk about politics on this thing. But there's no rules. Maybe we can go down that road a little bit if you'd like. Oh, but it, it, you know, if, if you would like to, it's 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 your show, sir. <laughs> and it's interesting. I mean, because there's so much, uh, and you don't see that as much anymore. But I mean, movies can be so fucking powerful with with that kind of thing, with um, getting a message across without really, you know, being didactic and hitting you over the head with it too hard. It can it can kind of be. Uh, Especially with comedy, actually. Especially I, with comedy, it's, you can you can really kind of get people to think or get you know subtle messages. You know who's really good at that? I think is Bobcat Goldblatt. Bobcat Bobcat did. Um, what was the movie with Robin Williams? The uh, super, great, world's greatest dad. World's greatest dad. God. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. World's greatest dad is so good, and then I'm pretty sure he did God Bless America. Yes, he did. Yes, God he did. Bless America yeah. is a movie that you know what ninety percent of people who watch it would absolutely hate it, but then the ten percent of us who watch it just get it. And it's I was so like, grateful that he made yeah. that. I, wow, I wanted to thank him for it. I, you, I I I agree with you. It's like you know why aren't movies like this being made anymore? It's like oh because. You know, there aren't many filmmakers like uh, Bobcat. You know, Mark Pellington's another one. We were talking about that earlier. I, I loved your podcast with Pellington. He was the first, you know, guest I ever had on my uh, yeah. on my podcast. And um, had him on twice. Yep. Yeah, I was listening to part two. Yeah. I'm very jealous you got to see some of nostalgia because I'm very much looking forward to that. Oh, um, yeah, I got to sit in. I mean, I, want, I don't want to interrupt what you're saying, there, but yeah, I got to sit in and uh, and see some of the editing process while he was doing it, which was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Like, you know, he's he's. Uh, did you did you did you talk to him face to face? Was it on Skype? It or? was Skype. Yeah. He's a huge guy. <laughs> he's a big, imposing guy. Like He's a great big. You know, he's built like a. NFL lineman Linebacker, or right, yeah. And, uh, I mean, his dad literally was. Right. Like a, a pretty, pretty for famous. The, for the, uh, what? Oh, God. Bal Baltimore, the, the Baltimore, yes. uh, the Johnny United's team. Right, yeah. 
Um, so, I'm, I mean, I'm just saying this because he's a really, really sensitive guy. And uh, the thing about him is, um, and you talk about, we were talking a little bit about I Melt With You and how that's one of your favorite movies. He's, he's, he's really an artist, this guy. Mark Pellington's really an artist, and he's gone through periods, just like uh, any artist. Like Picasso had a blue period, and that's sort of his blue period. Um, he's, he really... Um, for a guy who's made, it's it's kind of like he's one of those guys who's sort of traded off uh, kind of a one for them, one for me kind of a thing. You know, Mothman Prophecies and I Melt With You, for example. You know, a bigger one and then one that's a little more personal. Um, Arlington Road is actually one of my, I fucking love that movie. Oh, and speaking of polit- political. Arlington Aaron. Road is, is brilliant, and that was a movie that was ahead of its time. Um, yeah. You know, that that's very much in line with homegrown terrorism, which I think is something that we have to deal with now. Um, but, yeah, dude, I was so nervous because this was the first, you know, filmmaker I got to talk to, and, and you know, his I'm Out With You means so much to me. I just I think that's truly such a brave film to have made. I remember seeing the trailer for it when it first came out. I rented it the first day on VOD, and I mean that movie just blew my fucking socks off, man. And I've, yeah. I've watched it. I've watched it multiple times since then. But like you were saying, so I'm getting hooked up with him on Skype. You know, I call him, and I was under the impression we we're just going to do audio. So he's yeah. got his video on. So I was like, well, I'm going to turn my video on. And sure. he's just like barreling towards his, you know, his, his <laughs> Mac or whatever he has. And he's like, yeah, hang on a second. And he's got his shirt off. And his hair's like <laughs> standing up. And he's like, you know, moving around his office. He throws his shirt on. And I'm just like, you know, you're like a cross between Jack Nicholson and, and the dude from The Big Lebowski right now. I mean, this is, this is just it's not, it's so good, intense for me. But, you know, then he, he sits down and he gets into his process of, you know, you're right. He's an artist and yeah. his creative process of doing things. And it was it was a very important moment to me to be able to speak to him about I Melt With You and listen to what he had to say and how much of a personal film that was for him because that was the first film he made after his wife passed. And I was just going to say that, yeah. You know, was, yeah. What yeah. was it about that for you that was – were you going through a pretty dark – No, not, not necessarily. I mean – Just connected I, with you. Know, just I, I mean, the vulnerability I, of it? You know, I – that's, that's, that's a very good question, and that's a bit of a loaded question, and I'm going to try and answer that the best way I can. I, I have always been drawn to transgressive and perverse film, uh, literature, music. I've always liked that. I've always liked to take my, my mind to places that it normally wouldn't trek towards, and I'm, you know, and I'm not afraid of where it would go, and I think that's a lot of hang-up with I Melt With You. Um, I love Abel Ferrara. I think Abel Ferrara is one of my all-time favorite directors, and yeah. um, Jesus Christ. I mean, that guy just makes some of the darkest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. But with... Him with Michael Haneke. And, yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, we could go on forever about transgressive cinema. I mean, Ridley Scott's yeah. The Counselor. Holy shit. That's like the greatest bait-and-switch of a movie I've ever seen in my entire that life. That surprised me. That was... Um, but no, I mean, I think I saw it at a time in my life. I was probably in my like mid twenties. Uh, I did nothing after going to art school. 
I got a working man job, which I still have now. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't taking anything seriously, more or less in my life. I was very apathetic. I was coasting through life. I'm still somewhat apathetic now. But um, I don't know. It doesn't sound like it from what you're writing and what we were just talking. That's about. true. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for the nudge of encouragement and motivation. Um, I'm I'm not sure where I, I particularly was at that point in my life. I mean, I wasn't doing anything like I'm doing now, which I'm very proud of everything I've done thus far. But there was something so striking about that movie, and and there was something about. You know, I, I look at I Melt With You as being a very reflective picture. Um, this throws up everything that's inside of us that we constantly bury, that we yeah. don't want to think about, you know, that's in our psyche, that's rolling around in our subconscious, you know, greed, uh, addiction, grief, anger, everything that scares you about who you are, that you try your hardest not to let show, even in your yeah. most vulnerable private moments that you ignore. Your shadow. Yeah. I mean, this is this is like a shotgun blast all over the screen. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very personal, and that's what I took from it instantly, that this is an incredibly personal yeah. film from a filmmaker who is being incredibly vulnerable and right. going through catharsis while making this. That's what I mean by... How I have respect for him and call him an artist. That's it's because of those reasons. Um, you know, he his vulnerability and his uh, and that's what I saw in that process, that editing process. Actually, I mean, I only I didn't see that much of that of that film of Nostalgia, uh, which just recently finished. I, I think there may have been just a screening recently. I'm not I'm not sure. Um, do I mean I saw like a ten minute clip and. Uh, Man, there's a lot of feeling in his work. There's a lot of emotion in there. There's a lot of longing and, uh, well, nostalgia. And uh, right. just this feeling of longing and, uh, and melancholy and missing something and, and wanting something. It, you know, it's really visual poetry, what I saw, and it's impressive. And it's not the first time. I mean, he's, there's something about that that you see in a lot of his stuff, particularly. So... Um, you know, not without putting some kind of, not with putting any kind of a message in something. That's not what I'm talking about. But with uh, really expressing yourself on a really raw, vulnerable level, he does that, and he manages to do that in uh, in, in big, big, you know, big budget, big level things. That's an artist to me. That's 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 and that's impressive. You know, yeah, I agree, and I th I think that's a, a testament to who he is as a filmmaker because look at the cast he assembles. You know, you, yeah. get, you get four super good-looking guys that look good on camera. You get Thomas Jane, Rob Lowe, Jeremy Piven, Christian McKay, and the first half of the movie is a rip-roaring party. I mean, it, it blows Wolf of Wall Street out of the water. It's like they're just popping mm -hmm. pills, doing drugs, hanging out with the young chicks from the local bar that they all lured back to their place. Um you know, with drugs and alcohol, and then all of a sudden the movie just takes this fierce turn. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the reality, the reality of life catches up with them, and it's a very sobering moment. And, I man, I just can't say enough about that movie. And, and it's just, I haven't seen it for a little while. I should actually watch that soon. It's It's been too long since I've seen it. But long story short, I love... 
You know, I love transgressive cinema. I just, yeah, that's stuff you're not going to see. So tell me, I'm interested, man, talking about that and talking about what you do with uh, film criticism, which is essentially what you do, not, know. you know, in your podcast. I mean, right. In you a know, lot of ways. I, I the, the, uh, the irony of it is I, I, I'm a millennial, regrettably, and, <laughs> you know, I just missed it, man. Like, I just missed I think I looked it up online the other day. It's like I just missed the threshold of, like, not – because I was born in 1985, and I forgot where, like, the whole millennial thing comes in. Is that the – that's the borderline. So that's like the borderline. It's like early eighties. It's like I don't know what the what what the, yeah. the Gen X that comes before. Mill- I don't know what that. that yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So you're a little too young for you know Kurt Cobain, for example. Right. So you know I. So yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm an online film critic with air right. quotes. I have to put that up. You know, I'm doing air quotes right now, so whoever's listening yeah. knows knows that. But it, it's 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 difficult to navigate because. Oh man, film criticism has really lost its nobility with the birth of the internet. Anybody can write yeah. about movies. Everybody right. has an opinion now. Um, and it's more so snowballed into this let's assassinate the person right. who made this film. Let's tear down this filmmaker. Let's tear down this film. And I, I try very hard not to do that. There are a lot of things I don't like. In movies, I'm very opinionated when it comes to certain things, but I do my absolute best not to let that come out when I am writing something for my site. Um, I get into arguments with people all the time on Facebook because that's what we do now. Yeah. But when it comes to that, I, I try very hard to not really ever write a negative review. I know negative reviews are important, but I don't. I look at it this way: I don't really want to waste my time writing something that's a teardown on somebody's life's work, essentially. I mean, for, his, for for however bad a movie is that I watch or however much I don't like what the movie has to say or I disagree with the film fundamentally, I mean, yeah. these are people that are spending a long time, you know, blood, sweat, and tears to make a film. Right. And I'm just some asshole behind a keyboard that is has no skin in the game and I'm just going to tear it down. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not really all about that. I don't I don't like right. that. I think I think it gets way out of hand with things. Um, you know, I think the best example over the past couple of years is Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight, which I I personally loved. I'm a I'm a Tarantino mm-hmm. fanboy. I mean, I had, here's the reason why I went to film school. I was going to be the next Tarantino. Right. But, you know, the whole Man, he was fucked on both sides from that because he was marching with Black Lives Matter. Because right. you know, so so that whole that whole segment of the population already hated Tarantino for marching with Black Lives Matter because they were all about you know supporting the the police that four years ago they wanted them all fired because the government's too big and we spend too much money. Um, and then you know the 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 my generation who writes for. You know what, Vulture and IndieWire and you <laughs> yeah. know Slash Film and, and all these all these different outlets, which I do I do like. Um, all of a sudden, Tarantino's this misogynist racist because Kurt Russell backhands Jennifer Jason Leigh and gives her a bloody right. nose and a bloody lip, and right. you know Bruce Dern keeps calling Sam Sam Jackson a nigger throughout the whole movie, and it's like, right. did you guys not stay till the end of the movie? Do you, right. you never seen a Tarantino movie before? Like, have you never seen a movie that just throws all this shit up there? 
and it's it's just it's it's ridiculous and yeah. now we've mo- now we've snowballed into an era of clickbait headlines right which you know has never come from my site out of all the people who write for it and they're all really good writers and i may not agree with a lot of stuff they have to write but nobody's ever written a clickbait headline and that's one thing that i always stress to everybody it's like please don't do that that's great you know so you know i mean i respect what you're saying about that i mean like uh Getting a movie made is a major accomplishment. So yeah. I understand, you know, I, I kind of like to tread lightly sometimes. I don't really want to. Although I feel I, the gloves can be off a little more with big studio movies. I feel like I don't really give a shit. If, I mean, you can, if it's something is terrible from there, then I can, I, I'm okay with slamming that. But if it's like something smaller that was, you know, really, really hard to make and it was, you know, if I don't like it, I'm probably not going to say much about it. With you being basically a film critic, I mean, that's what you are, among other things. You t- are you just, you know, or you just interview and you talk about it. Right. I've been um, called worse. I can, I'll be labeled as a film critic. That's fine. Th- okay. So, you know, even just with this talk that we've had now, you know, I've, I've come to discover, I mean, we've, you know, because we've talked about things that are, you know, you're also, it's not like you're some hoity-toity film critic. You, you know, we're both excited that Ivan Drago is going to be coming back to Rocky, for example, oh things like that. God. So before we go down that road, but I mean, you know, we're, we, we love, there's stuff, you know, you have fun with it. It's not just, you know, you know, right. some film with a sad clown and it's black and white in Poland or yeah. something. It's not so, but, but I can, what I'm falling from what, from what you're saying though is, is, uh, I mean, you're passionate about, there's things about movies that you think are important. There's things, um, whether it's political or otherwise, you're passionate about it. And you mentioned, you know, you're a, you're a working guy and you're still doing this. And I find that interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what it is beyond, uh, or if there is anything beyond just like your flat out simple love of movies that's pushing you and what it is that, you know, maybe do you, are you, are you, are you going down a road where you, you might make a film yourself? For example. That's something I've thought about my whole adult life and, and like my teenage years. I would love to make a film. I don't know how I would do it. Um, I write all the – I shouldn't say I write all the time. I guess I know I'm a writer when I, I write stuff and people don't read it and – I don't write as nearly as much as I should. You know, it's like I'm not like Ray Bradbury, who's just is constantly turning out shit. And it's like, well, something's bound to be good if you just keep writing every day. You know, you write a short story every day for a year. There's a couple of them that are going to be good. Um, you know, I, I do want to write. I, I, you know, I, I have a couple of screenplays I finished. I, I'm working on a novella um, or working on a second draft that I, I wrote a pilot for a TV show and have that like mapped out. I would love to do something like that that um I, w- I would love it man but that's you know the high risk high reward type deal I, I don't particularly like my job that i have right now mm-hmm. i like the health insurance that i have that comes with my job that's very good so you know i could move to canada or england and become a writer and then that would be good because then the government would take care of my health insurance but yeah i mean i've i've, I've always always been you know not to degrade the word too terribly much, but I've always felt that I'm artistic and I've always felt that there was something more down in dirty pictures is the book. I just saw it that we were talking about earlier. Okay. Um, <laughs> Good call. Yeah. It's right there. <laughs> um, yeah. 
I don't know. I guess that's a difficult question to answer because I don't necessarily know the answer myself. But long, long story short, yes. Yeah, I mean, whether I didn't know if it was that or, I mean, but there's, you know, I just, I feel like I see that there's something else kind of fueling you there. And, uh, yeah, and maybe this is victory. I don't know, but there's... Writing about movies is something that I never really set out to do. It just kind of happened, you know, and then starting a podcast just kind of happened. And then I cover the Santa Barbara International Film Festival every year because... I connected with Roger Derling, who runs the festival, and I get credentialed, and I go out there, and I do red carpet interviews, and I get to see a bunch of movies, and that just kind of happened, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I got very fortunate with that, and that all stemmed from, geez, I'm 32 and a half now, and that all, I, you know, that all happened when I was 30. I started to take myself more seriously. I started to take what I was writing more seriously, mm -hmm. and... <clears throat> then it all just kind of morphed into where I'm at now. And I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now. I want to continue to do more and I want to continue to see where this goes because I know that I have more inside of me than just my yeah. own. But now if that, if that, if that answers your question. Well, yeah, it kind of does. I mean, like, you know, we're talking about um, Rocky four and for a second, this sort of thing, but you're also like, you're, you're, you're talking about things. You're putting things out there. You know, we're talking about Abel Ferrara. We're talking about uh, I Melt With You. You're, you're talking about your writing with, um, you know, about Gangs in New York and how that relates to Trump, these sort of things. You know, this is, uh, this is a lot of stuff that uh, – or Michael Haneke or whatever the case may be. These, right. these are, you know, not mainstream filmmakers uh, and, and movies, and, uh, and you're passionate about them. And just the fact that even like we're talking about it now – you're kind of you're kind of pushing this out there or this kind of thing and these ideas. I think that's important, and uh, so you're kind of going in a little bit of a direction that I think is interesting. And um, and, and you're kind of in charge of, of that with what you do, with what you're writing and what you're doing on your podcast. And you know maybe you'll get Abel Ferrera on your show, on your show, for example. I don't know. You haven't had him on. I, no, I, I haven't had him on. I have his email because. Yeah. Um, I've had Ken Kelsch on three times, who's Abel Ferrara's like best friend and cinematographer all the way back to the Driller Killer, which was Ferrara's <laughs> first film. Um, and they've worked together pretty much all the way up until Welcome to New York, which came out two years ago. He did King of New York and The Funeral and he didn't. I don't. That lieutenant Ken, and all this. Ken Kelsch didn't do Body Snatchers. King of New York, uh, Pasolini, and a couple of the other films, but like the seminal seminal films from Ferrara, like Driller Killer, um, Bad Lieutenant, Dangerous Game, The Funeral, The Addiction. Yeah, those are all the stuff those two worked. Welcome to New York. Those are all the okay. all the films those two worked on together. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. So just the fact. That you're kind of going down that road. That's a little different, and then I think that's interesting. And, and you have, uh, you know, you have a little bit of control to, and, and well, you have all the control to bring these kind of people on to to kind of you know talk about these ideas. And, and uh, so I mean, that's that's something. That's something. And with Mark Wellington, for example, all these things. You know, this is not to say that it's because you know we can talk about. Ivan Drago too. But. I'm like ready to talk about that, but no, I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I know where you're going with that. It's, it's um, a big, you know, what's really important in my life 
our films by Abel Ferrara, something like I Melt With You, um, the more non-mainstream things. Um, it's are, not even, it's more than non-mainstream. It's, it's, it's not it's even, it's specific. A, right, right, yeah. right. Um, but at the same time, I love Star Wars. At the same time, right. I love the DCEU films. Sure. At, at the same time, you know, I fucking love Dolph Lundgren and Sylvester Stallone. And I mean, I will champion the fuck out of Rocky IV and Cobra, <laughs> like any day of the week. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to touch upon something when we were talking about me not being negative with my, my criticism and and how you brought up, you know, um, you feel that it's okay to be negative towards, you know, big studio films and stuff like that. I'm with you there because I, I just wanted to interject and say fuck Marvel because, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, geez, I, I get what Marvel's doing. They're doing a fantastic job, but I'm not like a Marvel fan, you know, uh-huh. and then I catch I'm in the catch 22 of loving the, you know, glorious mess of the DCEU films and how those movies are a complete shit show, but I completely admire what they're doing, even though there's no cohesion with them and they're all just kind of thrown together. But um, I'm ready to talk about Ivan Drago and uh, Dolph Lundgren now because <laughs> for as big of a for as big of a film snob as I am, and for as many criterions and yeah. and you know you know snobby books that I own or, or offbeat records or all yeah. the stuff that I have, I probably have. I've I've made it like my mission. Probably since like my mid to late twenties of trying to accumulate every Dolph Lundgren movie that has come out on <laughs> Blu-ray and DVD, you know, which includes Kindergarten Cop Two, and uh, a couple of his other a couple of his other latest features. You know, um, let's talk about that and him for a minute, and then we're getting close to an hour, so we'll we'll talk about him and then we'll where we're at. Right. I yeah, I, you know, I was actually up. up to be in a Dolph Lundgren movie recently. What, what, it was uh, in Mississippi. It was uh, Shark Lake. No, no, it was. Uh, ah, shit. If you can keep naming them, it was some kind of like a. It was a scary kind of deep, like a. Oh my god! Possession kind of movie. Yeah, I can't remember. What and it was I was in it. I was up for like it. one of the cops, like one of the detectives or something. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I know the movie. All right. Just came let out. Go, this let, is me go to, let me go to IMDb because I know the movie you're talking <laughs> you're gonna do about. That? Okay. I just um, while you do that, we can keep talking. About while you, it, yeah, exactly. I would love um, to keep talking. Okay, so yeah, so I'm I'm older than you are. I actually saw Rocky IV when I was a kid in the theaters. Greatest fucking and movie ever made, dude. I think, I think I have. I think I talked about this maybe on another episode. But uh, one of the things, I mean, you know, when you talk about movies that that that. There's, for everybody that is doing what you do or what I do, or any, if you're involved at all in movies, there's always that one or at least maybe a couple that you saw when you were a kid that like changed everything. So there were several for me for different reasons. Raiders of the Lost Ark and 70 millimeter with the curtain that opened up in the beginning. Right. That was my magic thing. That was that movie did it. But Rocky Four, oddly enough, when I was a kid in the theater. This is during the Reagan era, and uh, I remember, you know, it was just in some, in some suburban mall, you know, movie theater, and it was packed. It was packed. It might have been, like, on a Friday night or something. And when Rocky knocks Ivan Drago down, and when he won, the fucking crowd got to their feet in the movie theater and cheered and applauded. And 
something about that, just that communal experience. I mean, it, it almost is, even though we're talking about Rocky Four and it's kind of funny, it gives me goosebumps because that is one of the, one of the experiences in movies as a kid that made me, it, it changed me because it just, it's, it's it, I it loved it so much. It was, it's so important, this movie theater experience, not just watching it on your iPad. I'm pretty passionate about that. I, I, I mean, it's fine to do that with a lot of things, but some things really should be seen in the theater. I'm, I'm, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm guessing Dunkirk maybe might be another example of that. But, so, you know, these big – can you imagine seeing Lawrence of Arabia on a phone? No, man. Or 2001 on a phone? No. But this, but this emotion, not just, uh, not just, you know, a cinematic experience, but this emotional experience that you share with people, like when they got on their fucking feet and cheered, it was amazing. And it, and it, and it was one of the things that kind of changed the trajectory of my, uh, trajectory of my life. Rocky four with fucking Ivan. <laughs> you know, but, uh, it, it was just that emotional moment, you know, it was a big deal for me. And no, I, and, I, and, love it. I still love it. Just thinking about that. And that's that's incredible because you know I love that you have that connection with Rocky Four because I, I didn't have that experience with Rocky Four. I mean, my experience with Rocky Four was like watching it on cable when AMC or TNT would run like all the Rocky movies. Sure, I'd seen one and two a bunch of times, and three I'd seen, and then yeah, four, three and four went down a whole different road. Right, and then four is just <laughs> like oh, I had to hear from like my mom and my dad how like terrible Rocky Four was, and the wheels came off the franchise, and it's just like don't even. Buy bother with it then i got older and what dude that movie clocks in at like 88 minutes or right. something uh, something obscenely short about that and it's got one of the best movie soundtracks of all time for sure and you know rocky ends the cold war with that fucking movie dude it's like <laughs> it's like he you did it all together right it's like he he had the alternative history before tarantino 30 years later made Inglorious Bastards with like, oh, wait, this is how World War II really ended. You know what I mean? But it's like Rocky yeah, fucking, you know, and then it's Rocky ends the fucking Cold War. And then all of a sudden during this whole, like, if I, I guess what I'm trying to say is if I can change and you can change, you can we change, all can yeah. change. And then all of a sudden that spins of Drago who, who killed Apollo Creed at the beginning of the film into like the sympathetic like anti-hero when he tells the general dude or whoever the his handler is to like go fuck off. Um, yeah, right. it's and then there's like the weird robot that Polly has. It's just you know <laughs> so that good. that movie that it's movie so I, I feel like encompasses the the obnoxiousness of 1980s not only cinema but pop culture. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 such a good movie, man. It's it's a movie that I'll never get tired of watching, and you know I just get so excited every time I watch it because you get the hearts on fire training montage, oh, oh, in the snow with the and the dogs yeah, on their shoulders dude, it's, or whatever. It's fucking yeah, Chop Sylvester wood. Stallone's chopping wood and pulling <laughs> fucking a sled of wood yeah. through, just through like the tundra, and then Drago's right. like punching at like 250 trillion psi right. in his like state of the art. 80s electronic music. Yeah, dude, it's it's just <laughs> awesome, but. Yeah, I mean, what got us what got us back to this is, you know, I'm super excited that um, Lundgren, Dolph Lundgren is going to be in Creed too because I liked Creed. Um, I, I liked too. it more than I thought I it was too. going to. Me too. Um, I thought it was. I, th I I'll get to it in a sec. I think Stallone's probably. I don't think he's quite Warren Beatty level with like autourism and how important he is to the film industry, but he's pretty fucking close. He's a 
because that's a fantastic that, writer, dude. That he's, guy, he's, he's, he is a good writer. That guy reinvented himself three times: Rocky, Rambo, and then the Expendables franchise, and then now he's doing it with Creed with a realistic way of bringing Rocky back into the right. cinema, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I he's mean, clearly a, a really sharp guy and he, and he is a good writer. He's, he's amazing. And I mean, I've, after I saw Creed in theaters, I, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was. And the first thing I thought of is the natural progression for this franchise to go in is Adonis Creed needs to fight Avon Drago in the next movie because his son, you know, right? I don't see, I, think I, it don't, is. I don't think it's the sun, man. He's fighting Drago himself? I mean, nah. what's, dude, okay, what is more steeped in Greek mythology than the the illegitimate son of Apollo True Creed enough. True enough. fighting the man who killed who slayed his, his father? His father. And I mean, keep in mind that Dolph Lundgren is is significantly younger than Stallone, and he's in realistically good shape. I mean, yeah. he's not a hulking mass. The guy's taken care of himself his whole yeah. life. It could um, be. You could be right. Dude, but yeah, I mean, come on. I'm, I, I, I'll i tell you this much, man. I fucking have little to no interest if he's fighting Drago's son. Yeah. Because that's, well, that's ridiculous. He's got to fight the guy that killed his dad, man. They'd probably make him some kind of, you know, badass, like, MMA, UFC type oh. guy or something to make it. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, to make I, it, I, to make it sexy. Right. I know, yeah, what you're, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But, you know, you'll love this. I love... I love Dolph Lundgren so much. My buddy, um, Derek Wayne Johnson, he's a filmmaker. He made John G. Avildsen, King of the Underdogs. It's a documentary about John Avildsen, and I recently just uh, published our podcast, our chat with him, about his film. And now Derek is working on two simultaneous documentaries. Stallone, Frank, that is, about Frank Stallone, which is awesome. That's it's amazing. Um, it's amazing that he's making a doc about Frank Stallone. And then he's also working on... He's, he's also working on um, 40 Years of Rocky, Birth of a Classic for Stallone. And um, I have been browbeating him weekly about making a documentary on Dolph Lundgren. And I, I will not stop until Derek, until, you know, Derek makes this movie with me. Yes. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen it. And if you haven't, I'm going to send you the link instantly okay. or after we're done. I'll chatting. post it up on the blog then. But um, it's, it's Dolph Lundgren at some Swedish festival where he sings a little less conversation, the Elvis Presley song. You've And then he's doing like karate moves and like breaking fucking ice with his forearm. Dude, it is the greatest thing you have ever fucking seen in your entire... It's like, it is the greatest YouTube video that no one knows is on YouTube except people that um, I'm connected with on Facebook because I post it like once a month because it's that good. But yeah, I mean, I was talking to my buddy Derek and I'm like, dude, we need to make the documentary Dolph Lundgren a little less conversation because... I mean, I don't think a lot of people know, but Dolph Lundgren's like a chemical engineer, man. Yeah, He's got yeah. a degree in chemical engineering. He was going to MIT, and then he fucking drops out of MIT because he meets Grace Jones, and he follows Grace Jones to New York City, and he's a fucking bouncer with Chaz Terry at Studio 54, and then all of a sudden he's in Masters of the Universe, and then he's in Rocky IV, <laughs> and he becomes like this, you know, the B-movie action star. Right, and right. He, and, you know, the guy's incredible. He's, 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 he's 
a supremely well, interesting person. I'm going to put that link up on triumphanddisasterblog.com. You, dude, I, hope, is, I hope you get Dolph on your show eventually. That oh, would be amazing. God, I would just spontaneously combust if I got to talk to Dolph Lundgren. But I will say that the, the, the YouTube video was made to be put on Triumph and Disaster. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. This, I got to – let's wrap it up because I think okay. we're a little over an hour, but I've – it's been fucking. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad we. I'm glad we can finally actually just uh, shoot the shit regardless. Right. Everybody gets to listen to it now. And uh, yeah, man. So we'll be in touch for sure. Yes. Thank you very much for having me on, man. This was this was a pleasure. It's not often that I guest on podcasts, so thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. So that was Frank Mangarelli, you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Make sure to uh, go. You know, subscribe to podcasting them softly. Go to iTunes. Check that out. Also, check out um, Movie Viral. That has a Facebook page as well. It's movieviral.com. And um, you can read uh, a bunch of the stuff that he's read. And obviously, he's a really sharp and interesting guy. And So go there and check that out. And um, like I've said before, if you leave a uh, review, rating and review, it really helps iTunes to, to uh, promote the show. And I'll call you out and thank you on the show. Mickey Strider actually left a... Um, a review last week. So unless you want to remain anonymous, um, I just really appreciate it and I'd love to call you out and thank you. Same thing if you um, leave a little something on PayPal. If you like what we're doing, if you want to just like throw down a few bucks, like you might uh, pay for a coffee or something, it really kind of helps uh, helps me keep things going. So uh, that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed. See you next week and triumph and disaster. <laughs>